Today we are continuing with our series of sermons called Foundations. Again. Again. Now, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 to 11, the Bible tells us it was Paul the apostle writing, and he was saying, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. Hallelujah. And he goes on ahead, the apostle goes on ahead and says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed, or pay close attention, how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, and the foundation is Jesus Christ. So according to that scripture, you who is sitting today listening to me, whether you are here in church, or you are online, or you are listening to this 10 days or 10 years after I have preached it, I want you to understand what the apostle is saying, that uh, you who is listening to me, you are God's building. Someone say, I am God's building. Again, well, you don't look like brick and mortar, but in the spiritual realm, you are a building according to God. Can you imagine yourself as a building? I'm giving you time to imagine yourself. Glory be to God. And then, I who is the preacher, according to the Apostle Paul, me who is the preacher to you, I am a builder. Yes. So right now, it is like I have, what's Omiko in English? I've looked for this word. Yeah. My friends from uh, Chatsworth have to uh, know what I'm talking about. What, yeah. Okay, let's say a spade. So imagine me now, I am holding a what? A spade. I am a builder. Make sense? You are God's building. I am a builder. And we are laying foundation. Every word that I am speaking to you, if indeed it is the word of God and it is from the scriptures, is like a brick. So every word that is coming to you right now is like a brick, it's like sand, it's like cement, it's like stones, it's like water, it's like all those things that are used to build, building material. So these words, don't take them lightly. They are Building what? Material. And as they come to you, you are being built into God's building. Ah, come on. Hallelujah. But then, according to the book of Hebrews, the foundations, they have different uh, pillars, uh, like pillars of the foundation. And there are about six pillars that make the foundation. So that if you don't understand these things, your foundation is not as strong, nor is, oh, it has cracks in it. And there is always a problem when the foundation has cracks in it. And a lot of the things that we go through in life that we call challenges 
in our walk with Jesus are because there are certain cracks within the foundation. And so you are walking and working out your Christian life. You have believed on Jesus Christ and you are trying to be what it should actually be a natural thing to the Christian. But you are walking and I am saying part of the reasons we struggle with certain things is the foundation has certain cracks. So you pray, you read your Bible, like you do the Christian things, but the results of your life seem to not match. All right? And we are saying it is because when the foundations are broken, what can the righteous do? And so according to Hebrews chapter 6, there are about six foundations. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 to 3. These are all familiar things. We've been talking about them. Therefore, he says, leaving the discussion of elementary things, principles of Christ. That is, these are the basics. Let us go on to perfection. Now, in the scriptures, that word perfection is equals to the word maturity. So let us move forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation. Now we know that the foundation is Christ, but that foundation has several pillars in it that we must adopt and make part of our lives. And it says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, number one, our faith toward God, number two, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and number six, of eternal judgment. And we have so far looked at only two of these. Only two. Why? Because for, I have purposed in my heart that we don't hurry this thing. Praise the Lord. You have had buildings in Kampala that have fallen down, haven't you? And part of the reason is because they began building the building in January. And by February, we were seeing five stories up. Speed. But the foundation hadn't settled properly. You get it? And so the building, even though it had a foundation... The foundation couldn't hold, not maybe because the foundation was bad, but it wasn't given the time to settle down. And so we have been walking slowly but surely because you must get this thing. Hallelujah. And so uh, even today, rather than because today we should be going on to the doctrine of baptisms, but today what I feel like is that uh, I, I feel like as a master builder, hallelujah, I, I, I would like to add a little sand and a little cement on what we've already built. Yeah? So imagine a foundation, but now it is being plastered. Okay? Yeah, all right? Is that okay? Or you want us to move on? Because the, the Sunday sermon is already ready, but I have to restrict myself. So do you want us to move on or we've put some plaster? Let, let, let's put some plaster. Let me, let, let's put some what? Yes. So uh, instead of doing baptisms, let us put a little plaster. Because 
repentance from dead works, which we looked at, and faith toward God rest on the foundation or rest on the bedrock of God's love for you and me and all of creation. All right? So today's sermon, I've entitled it, Resting in God's Love. Father, I thank you for the five people that are agreeing with me. Hallelujah. Yes. So, today we are going to talk about resting in God's love. Because the bedrock on which everything we are talking about rests is God's love. Hallelujah. Now, God loves. That's a reality. Not because any of us deserve or qualify for his love. God does not love you and love me because we deserve his love. He doesn't love us because we qualify for his love. In fact, the opposite is true. None of us could ever qualify for God's love. None of us could ever deserve God's love. Hallelujah. In fact, what we deserve, truthfully, what we deserve from God is judgment, is punishment, and God is wrath. That is what we deserve. But the love of God dictates, mm, glory be to his name, instead of receiving what we deserve, we do not receive what we deserve. Listen carefully. Because of God's great love, we don't really receive what we deserve. Rather, instead, we receive what we do not deserve. I am not telling you this for you to give me a hand clap. Because the word of God doesn't come to you so that you clap for it. And I, I mean, when you clap, it encourages me, right? Uh, but that's not the point. The point is that when you hear this, the Bible says, when you hear today, when you hear God is what? Do not harden your hearts, but receive it with joy. Ah, When you hear the word today, believe it. My friend, I am telling you the truth. All of us sitting here, all of us, we have certain things. Even if you paid us $10 million, we wouldn't tell you. Now, the only challenge is God knows those things. So you are hiding them, but you can only hide them from us who don't know everything. But God knows everything, even the bad thought you had when I just stepped up and you were like, ah, do you understand? So, it, it doesn't help you to pretend. You understand? All of you here, let me remove myself, eh? because, I mean, eh? I am the builder. <laughs> Glory be to God. Let me tell you, there's no one of us here whom God loves because, man, ha, this one, he has done a good job for me. No, 
God does not love us because we deserve his love. No, the opposite is true. He loves us regardless of what we've been and what we are. Now, if there is a man that understood the love of God, it was John. There was a, a disciple of Jesus called John. And he wrote a letter. And in his first letter in chapter 4, verses 9 to 10, 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 to 10, he says, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us. You see that? In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world. Oh, that we might live through him. This is how the love of God was manifested toward us. Now, how many, please, with a show of hand, please raise up your hand if you ever told God, Father, please send your son so that he can die for me and I live through him. Please raise up your hand if you did that. Hey, you didn't send him. You didn't even put in a special request. Ah, uh, you might have sent a WhatsApp. Maybe an email to heaven saying, Father, you see, I can't handle this thing. The world is crazy. It is terrible. Please send your son on my behalf. Anybody? None of you did that. And yet in this, the love of God was manifested that he sent his only begotten, one only begotten son. Huh. Why? Into the world. Why? That we may live through him. In this, and in this is love. In this is love. Woo. Not that we loved God. No. 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 Uh, by the way, there are some people who are like, you know, I love Jesus. I love God. I, I love God. Eh? Like, Mukama, I have loved you. Simanya, what? Let me tell you. Your love for God. He looks at it. And all he can say, seriously. Like, really. You love me. You understand? God doesn't love you because you love him. And of course... There are some people who have intimidated us because they kind of look very spiritual. Yeah? They, they, they look very put together. When they walk, it feels like they have a special spiritual walk. When they talk, you feel like, eh, my, oh my gosh. Oh. Someone was telling us he eats breakfast. In heaven. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, I am not saying that he does or he doesn't. I'm just saying he told us. Praise the Lord. Because someone may call me and say, the other pastor said you don't. I don't know. But me, I've never had breakfast with what? But the thing is this. It is not your spirituality. In fact, it is the lack of spirituality that God looked at and he says, mercy. 
Let me send my son. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. You are not the one who wrote God an email and said, Dear, dear God, I was here. And every time I look at you, I feel my stomach going chui, 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 chui. And, uh, and really when I look at you, I feel like, uh, how about, uh, would you mind, in fact, if you agree, my Lake Victoria will, eh? like, like you didn't write those letters to God, did you? But he did that for us. He wrote his love letter in blood. Oh, come on. Come on. Look, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Now, remember, your sins have separated you from your God, says Isaiah. And so that even when you called, he would not hear. Why? Because the sins separate men from God. And God looked at that separation and he said, okay, okay. Let me send my son Jesus to die for their sake, for her sake, for your sake. Please listen to me. Jesus died because of your sins and my sins. So that the divide that existed between you and God would be removed. Why? Because every time you have messed up, God has been the one looking for you. Let me give you an example. Do you remember that God had told uh, Adam and Eve, never eat of the... Did he tell them that? Do you remember? What did they do? Hello? And when they ate it, what did they do? They hid. Yeah? They did what? They hid. When they hid, I want you to, let me ask you, do you think when they were eating, was God seeing them? Yeah? Of course, he was like, don't, and then, oh, you did. You understand? And then they hid. You think where they were hiding, he wasn't seeing them. Like, like they were, they were under a certain, eh? cave, like they were in a certain, I don't know, they, the Bible just said as they hid, I don't know whether it was a cave or they got banana leaves and covered, I, I don't know, but they did what? Now, you think God did not know where they were? Hello? He knew, right? You think he didn't know that they had sinned? Yeah? Praise the Lord. Now, who comes looking for them? Hello? Who came looking for them? Who came looking for them? Who came looking for them? I have good news to tell every sinner that is sitting here and that is looking. Hey! Our God is looking for you. 
God has come out. Where are you? Where are you? Hey, Adam, Adam, Eve, Eve. He's calling. He's calling. He is calling. He is looking. Hey, he is looking. He is saying, where are you? Oh, we had you coming. And we hid because... Isaac, ah, ah, ah. Do you know that a lot of the things that are making you hide from God are things you have told yourself and God hasn't said anything yet. Do you know that when you went and messed those things up, you messed yourself up, God just... And then he came looking for you while you were like, huh, God. Like, it is you chasing yourself. And the love of God cannot allow him to simply sit there and say, Auntie Wagizekare, go. His love pulls him towards the objects of his love. You are the object of God's love. And in verses 16, John says this, And we have known, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. Why? Because God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Now listen, this is where I want, you, I want to take you into. To abide in God's love. Someone say, menos. Yeah? To abide in God's love. To remain in God's love. Because everything that is coming against you in life, every temptation that is coming your way in life, every demon that is coming to you in your life is trying to pull you away from the love that God has for you. And you have to come to a place where you say, eh, 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 I'm going nowhere. He loves me. Glory be to God. You know, you know, those days when I was growing up, I had two sisters. My sisters are very beautiful. So there were some guys on the village that wanted to tell them how much they loved them. You understand? But instead of going there themselves, they would come to me. And they would say, you know, Alex, your sister Lillian. Now, you imagine someone sends you like that. And then you go to Lillian and say, ah, Lillian, that dude said he loves you. How is she going to react? You and your friend go to hell. Eh? Lillian, my, my friend was like, you, that's not how you tell someone that another person loves them. You know, like me, what I would do, I would say, I would tell them, ha, you, are you sure? It's like, yes, I'm telling you. She enjoys roasted chicken. She, she does, yes. And then that dude would buy roasted what? Chicken. And I would come back home with roasted chicken. For the one that is loved. Except 
I had asked her to help me with my clothes and she had refused. So I would sit properly with the roasted chicken and bring out my plates. And she would say, may I have some? You remember? Not knowing that the chicken had been bought. I mean, God still loves me. Praise the Lord. Um, my friends, you must learn, regardless of what your situation and circumstance, to rest in the love of God. As I've always told you, especially for those of you who have gone through the next steps class, love is not something that God just does. It's not that he just does it. Love is who God is. All right? One of my professors used to say this, so because so that's why I, I just love the statement. He says, God loves because he is love. And so my professor would say, love is definitional to God's being. When God loves, to him, it's not just a verb. It's not just an action he performs. The reason God loves is because he is love. Now, you must understand that God does not love us because of what we have done. God does not love us because of what we have not done. God is not up there in heaven keeping score. You know, one time people used to tell us that uh, when we get to heaven, there will be a big black book. And all the names of all the people in the world will be in that what? In that black book. And everything you have ever done. Like the moment you do something, it is written in the book. You do something, it is written in the book. You do something, it is written in the book. You do something, it is written in the book. Now, when you get to heaven, I'm saying they used to tell us this. Yeah? They used to tell us. So when we get to heaven, the book will be removed and they'll begin. Uh-huh. You remember when you told your mother like, uh-huh. Uh you remember, and let, let us count and see. No, 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 no. That's not what is going to happen. You people, you should thank God. Because if that book was existing there, someone say, I am free. Again. Because of Jesus' love. Now someone said, because of Jesus and by Jesus, I have been given a right standing with God. Again? Yes. Hallelujah. So my friend, understand you are not trying to qualify for God is love. You are already loved. Yes. And that is the truth. A lot of us. Don't understand. That God. Has already determined. He is going to love you. He is going to love you. And he is going to love you. He's, he, he just loves you. And the evidence. Of his love was he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. Now, that love of God is expressed towards us 
all is released toward us in what we call the grace of God. Hello? Are you still following me? That love of God has been expressed towards us and through Jesus Christ. And that love releases God's grace towards us. God's love releases God's grace towards us. God's love releases God's grace towards us. Ooh, I feel like saying it again. Me, I'm enjoying it. I don't know about you. God's love releases God's grace towards us. May I have a few people say that with me? God's love releases God's grace towards us. Again, God's love releases God's grace towards us. Isn't that amazing? Oh, I feel like jumping. Hey. There are certain things you must fully understand so that the devil stops playing tricks on you. Because God loves you, you walk under the canopy of God's grace in all its dimensions. The various dimensions of God's grace towards us are available to all of us because of God's love towards us. God loves you and so he releases his grace towards you. Hey, hallelujah, hallelujah. And this is love that God has sent his one and only begotten son. Ha, glory be to his name. And so the dimensions of God's grace have been released towards us because God loves us. That is why when Paul was writing to his son, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1, he says to Timothy, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because resting in God's love reveals and manifests God's grace towards you. This is why I am sweating so hard to tell you, friend, rest in God's love. Like God loves you. Beyond what you can imagine. That love that God has releases his grace in all its dimensions towards you. And so the reason I'm saying rest in God's love is so that you may begin to realize, you may begin to partake of the graces that God has available towards you. Friends, a number of us are making it in life not because we are the most qualified. Not because 
we are the most eloquent. It's not our backgrounds. It's not our families. It is not our education. It is not who we know and who we don't know. It is because God's love has extended God's grace towards us. Grace. Grace. Oh, amazing grace. Oh, <laughs> how sweet. How sweet this sound. Grace. How can I even begin to describe to you the riches of the glory of God's grace towards us because of his love? Grace. When we talk of God's grace towards us in Christ, first of all, we must understand that it is this grace it is the principle by which God bases on to forgive all our sins. You know, God does not forgive your sins because uh, you cried harder than others. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe next time I will try it better. No, 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 no. 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 God does not forgive because you sacrificed a lot. You know, my mother, she was Catholic and uh, she used, they used to tell them, okay, you, you go to the priest, you confess, and then the priest tells you, okay, for that one, you need to spend seven nights sleeping on cement. Ah, friends, God does not forgive us because we sacrificed, because we gave to church, because, oh, no, all my sins are forgiven by sheer mercy and grace of God. You are forgiven by God's grace. It's the best that he looks at and he says, you know what? If you confess your sins, I am faithful and I am just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That is our God. It's grace. It's grace. And then, I, I, I'm just mentioning a few dimensions that God's love ushers us into the grace that we now stand. That grace now moves further into the manifestation of divine unmerited favor. Divine unmerited favor. Uh, look at this. On one hand, God forgives you because it's a manifestation of his grace. But it doesn't stop there. He goes on and says, now that you are forgiven, let me also give you a bit more. Let me give you my favor. Let me give you my favor. Now, favor is the principle by which life works on your behalf. Favor. You know, there's this thing that always happens to me. Like it almost, it almost always happens to me. However much a parking yard is full, there is always a parking spot for me. It's called favor. 
rarely do you find me in lines. Sometimes even me, I want to, to line up. But then at the head of the line, there's always that person who just looks and says, Oh, sir, please come here. It is called, it is called favor. Uh, one, you know, when I was going to university, they had changed the system of government entry. Then, that year I was entering university. Messenger disturbed the whole government and said, me, I'm going to increase the children that go to university on government scholarship by over 2,000. Guess what the government did in the year I am entering? They increased. I entered. When I entered, they put it back. Now you have a very different system by which you, which is very hard. It is called the principle by which life works on your behalf. When this door closes, all of a sudden you find there is another door that is open for you. It's a principle called favor. And favor, favor, favor is not fair. You know that, eh? Like people even wonder and say, but oh, Naima's mama, seriously, like how come? Eh? How could it be? How, how can it be? But favor just, and it works by grace. It is just God saying, I will favor who I want to favor. I will love who I want to love. And if you don't think I am right, you are wrong. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When he says, I am the head and not the tail, he means business. When he says, I'll bless you in the city and I'll bless you in the country, he means business. When he says, you shall be above and not beneath, he means favor. When he says, your enemies will come in one way and they will scatter in seven others, he means favor. When he says, your, hey, your battles will be won, not by a fight, but by a praise, he means favor favor. Oh, someone say, I got favor and it is unmerited. I don't know how I got here but listen, I am the one you are meeting in this office. It is called favor. I don't know why they passed all the others and I was promoted but listen, my friend, it is called favor. Ah, it is a function of God's grace. But then there's another dimension of God's grace that is divine empowerment. Divine empowerment. Someone say divine empowerment. Grace, the ability, yeah, the principle that gives you ability to do what you could normally have never been able to do. You see, there is a certain grace that carries you or carries me as I explain the word of God. If it had been another setting, probably I couldn't be this clear. But because of grace, divine empowerment, I am able to say a word. Hey, glory be to God. And it gets directly, not in your mind, but in your spirit. It is called 
grace. When you sit in an office and every time you produce a report, even your boss calls you and tells you, okay, can you help others also make their reports just as you have done yours? It is called grace. Ah, when people find you walking on the road and say, sir, I, I, I just felt like you are the one who can help me on this matter. And indeed, you are equipped to help them on that matter. It is called grace. When they gave you a task and it seemed higher than you can imagine and you said, Father, I don't know how to hold it. I don't know how to handle it. But greater is he that is in me than the one that is in the world. Give it to me. I will go up. Hey, it is called grace. Never refuse a promotion because even though you don't feel like you can do it, when you get to the place of operation, my goodness, my goodness, you will find that God has given you something called grace. The empowerment and the ability to do what you could not have done otherwise. But it is the hand of God on your life. Why? I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. Even when I don't know what to do. When I get to the institution or when I get to the situation, God will lift up a wisdom that I never used to have. Because my wisdom is not the wisdom of this world, but the wisdom of Christ. It is called divine grace. And any man and woman that is going to walk in this principle called grace must understand the love of God. Because when you enter the place of rest in God's love, then you enter the realms of grace. You understand that it is not what I am. It's not what I do. It's not what I have. No. It is just that God has just loved me. You know, when I tell people that, for me, I really don't think there's anyone in this world that God loves as much as he loves me. I mean it. Now, me, I don't know how your dealings with God are. You get it? But me, I am convinced. Now, I also have a couple of friends that think they are loved more than I am loved. But when I measure, in my measurement, not in God's measurement, in my measurement, me, when I measure the things that God has done for me, and I'm like, God, you are God. You don't really have to do anything for me. And yet, here I am. How else would I be yelling at you like this? Let me tell you, God loves me. Someone shout at me and say, God loves you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so all I am calling you to today, because that is what, this is what is going to save you from uh, dead works. You know, when you come to a place where you are convinced of the love of God, you begin to walk in the grace of God. And that is called faith. <laughs> so, all along, I was describing to you God's part. Because any man that gets convinced of what God has availed to you and you receive it, now 
All of a sudden, you don't have to be there. Let me have faith. Let me. No, 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 no. You simply accept God loves me and I have been graced. And all of a sudden, you are operating in a realm called faith. So you see plastering. Hallelujah. Somebody stand up on your feet right now. Place your hand in your chest. And speak to yourself and say, Alex, God loves you more than you can imagine. His love for you is not because of what you've done. And it's not because of what you've not done. He just loves you because God is love. If you believe it, give him a hand clap.